0: They are saying it's so beneficial to teeth that we can ignore any potential damage to the brain. Wait a moment. Wait a moment. There's
1: something wrong with this picture.
0: You're listening to the Corbett Report.
1: Welcome friends, this is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com coming to you in a conversation that is being recorded on the 19th of March, 2018. And today we are talking once again to a previous Corbett Report guest who has not appeared for several years. So I will refresh your memory on this. We are talking to Dr. Paul Connett of the Fluoride Action Network at fluoridealert.com. Org. And for those who don't recall our previous conversations, Dr. Conant is a graduate of Cambridge University. He holds a PhD in chemistry from Dartmouth College, and from, 1990, from 1983 to 2006, he taught chemistry at St. Lawrence University in Canton, New York, where he specialized in environmental chemistry and toxicology. And now for nearly two decades, he has been working with the Fluoride Action Network to draw attention To the issues surrounding the fluoridation of the water supply and the health dangers that that poses, Dr. Connett, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us once again.
0: Happy to be with you, James.
1: All right. Well, I will exhort people to listen to our previous conversations where we went through quite a bit of the detail about the fluoridation issue and the health effects, uh, at least as the best science said at that time several years ago. I know there have been even more studies coming out um, to to compound some of the problems that we were talking about last time, but I'll let people peruse the archives to, uh, to find out more of that detail. Today I wanted to talk about something that specifically is coming up that is something hopeful, potentially, regarding the issue, and it's always good to highlight these types of issues when they arise. I'm talking about a court case that is currently ongoing um, that is uh, technically referred to as Food and Water Watch Inc. et al. v. United States Environmental Protection Agency and revolves around something called the Toxic Substances Control Act. And I know there's been some movement and motion on this court case in recent weeks that uh, we talked about briefly with Derek Bros who wrote an overview article about this issue that is posted up to uh, fluoridealert.org right now. I will just read the first couple of sentences here from this article that Derek Brose wrote. A federal court has denied an attempt by the Environmental Protection Agency to dismiss a lawsuit seeking to ban the use of fluoride under the Toxic Substances Control Act. And he says, in a victory for water fluoridation opponents, a judge in the Northern District of California has denied a motion by the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, that sought to limit the information available to the court while making their decision on whether or not to ban water fluoridation. All right, so there's a lot of issues swirling around here. First of all, Dr. Connick, can you give us an overview of what this lawsuit is, who brought it, under what circumstances, and what is the Toxic Substances Control Act anyway?
0: Well, the mainspring for this uh, going ahead with this court case was my son Michael, who for about eight years actually headed up a Florida action network. But then he went and got a law degree, and uh, to cut a long story short, he's ended up in Los Angeles working for a tort firm, tort attorneys. But um, he's for a long time wanted to find a lawsuit to get the EPA to act, and I think the brilliant stroke. From Michael was to use the Toxic Substances Control Act rather than the Safe Drinking Water Act. The EPA has jurisdiction under the Safe Drinking Water Act to determine a safe drinking water standard, the so-called MCL. But even though the National Research Council recommended that the EPA do that, determine a new uh, safe drinking water standard, because they, de- after reviewing the issue for three and a half years, The NRC said, this is not a safe standard. You need to do a new risk assessment and determine a safe standard. Now, the EPA dragged its feet for 11 years. This is uh, now it's 12, 12 years, and they have not come up with a new safe drinking water standard. And we're still working under the ancient 1986 standard of four parts per million. Just keep that at the back of your mind. Now, what he did, instead of going under the Safe Drinking Water Act, which would immediately have put it back into the hands of the water division of the EPA, and they are owned lock, stock, and barrel by the dental lobby on this issue. They, they are just absolutely pathetic. Um, he went with the Toxic Substances and Control Act. Under provisions in that act, the EPA can ban a substance if it poses an unreasonable health risk of the population, and Michael presented, you start with a petition, a citizen's petition, anybody can do this, so Michael had a citizen's petition, which he delivered about 300 documents and a big summary of the neurotoxicity of fluoride, there's over 300 studies, over 352 human studies associated with lower IQ about 30 or 40 animal studies which shows that fluoride interferes with the memory and learning ability of rodents, and so on, a lot of other stuff. And he submitted to them that they should ban the deliberate addition of fluoride to the drinking water. This left alone the issue of what you do with natural fluoride. It just said, EPA, you should not allow the deliberate addition of this known neurotoxic suburbs into the drinking water. As you rightly said, the EPA first moved, in. in, in they dem- denied our petition after 90 days, but they denied it on su- su- substantial grounds, on substantive issues. They didn't de- deny it on jurisdiction, but they said it's not right and it's not true. There, there isn't a neurotoxic threat or it's very minimal and with which then Michael sued, we sued, and the organizations that you mentioned, Food and Water Watch, the Organic Consumers Association, the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, and of course the Fluorid Action Network, Mums Against Fluoridation. Anyway, he went ahead and sued them, and the EPA came back and tried to dismiss, tried to get the judge to dismiss the case, um, you know, that's typically what lawyers do. The first thing is dismiss the case. It's useless. It's no good. The judge came back, and said, no, there is substantial evidence. We need to look at it. Then the next thing the EPA did was to try to deny us um, full discovery rights, full discovery, just to limit the, the record to what was in our petition, the original petition, what was in our lawsuit and what was in their response. That's how they wanted to limit how much the judge would hear. Now the judge can make an independent, this is what we love about this, the judge is independent. He, we have a judge to review, maybe a jury, to review all the science. We've never had a judge and jury before. We're always being judged by people that are biased for fluoridation, want it to continue. So this was very exciting for us. It continues to be exciting. And Michael is now gathering up. The experts that we need to bring to court to prove our case. And it is just absolutely incredible. This one decision could end fluoridation worldwide. We've narrowed it down to the point that this decision would end fluoridation. It was certainly ended in the United States um, if it was ruled that fluoride was neurotoxic. And uh, if the United States goes, then I think all the other countries that have aped the United States on this Australia, New Zealand, and so on will also fall but meanwhile, there's been very exciting news you know we as I mentioned we've had fifty before this we brought this case we had fifty one i q studies, but last September we had number fifty two Now, I got to put this into perspective to show you how exciting this was. Hitherto, the other side have said these studies that we produce, these 50 studies from China, India, Iran, and Mexico, junk science, number one. Number two, oh, the concentrations in these, uh, the towns where the studies were done was so high it wasn't relevant to water fluoridation neither of those is correct let me give you the concentration story about at least 14 of these studies have been conducted at a level which is lower than the so-called epa safe drinking water standard MCR. lower than that So <laughs> they, you would think that they would consider that relevant the second thing is they've accused these studies of not using, you know, not con- controlling for all the confounding variables, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. And some of that is valid. I mean, we have 52 studies. Not all of them are top quality, but some are. And you don't judge an issue like this by looking at the worst studies. You judge an issue like this by looking at the best studies. And when you look at the best studies, and I'll give the one I know most about, the Zhang study from 2003, I've actually visited the villages where the study was done. Very good study, controlled for lead, controlled for iodine, retrospectively controlled for, for arsenic and so on. Very good study. And their study, when you come down to it, do all the calculations, um, indicates that uh, in their study, a drop of five IQ points if a child was exposed to 1.4 milligrams per day. That isn't much. Many children in the United States are exposed to 1.4 milligrams. You can, a child can be exposed to 0. 0.8 of a milligram of fluoride just from brushing the teeth or swallowing the toothpaste. And, of course, if you drink a liter of water, typically you're going to get 0.7. 0.7 plus 0.8 is 1.5. So, obviously, millions of children in the United States will be surpassing that level. But now, the extraordinary news. On September the 19th of 2017, there was a study published in Environmental Health Perspectives. And not just any old study. This study was funded by the National Institute of Health which promotes water fluoridation, the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences, which is one of the best scientific agencies in the United States with respect to environment health, and by the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, who we are suing, who says the studies on junk science. And the authors of this study have, between them, authored 50 papers on cognitive effects in children, so the guys know what they're doing. They come from prestigious universities in the, in the United States, in Canada, and Mexico, including Harvard, Mount Sinai, University of Toronto, University of Indiana, University of Michigan, um, at the University of Mexico, and, and so on. And very rigorous study, and this is what they showed: they showed based upon the fluoride uh, levels in the urine of pregnant mothers. Now, urine levels of fluoride is an excellent marker of the total exposure to fluoride, regardless of source, whether the fluoride comes from toothpaste, whether it comes from water, whether it comes from pollution, pesticide residues, you name it. Whatever fluoride you take in, ingest, Some of it is going to show up in the urine, and it's a very good relationship now, we know, between how much fluoride was input and the amount in the urine. A strong, very strong correlation between the amount of fluoride that pregnant women are exposed to during pregnancy and a loss of IQ in their offspring. They measured the IQ of the offspring at four years and then again a the second time in six to 12 years. Very strong correlation. Um, the higher the fluoride level was in the mother's urine, the lower the IQ was in the children in the study. And this was 300 mother child pairs that were examined. Now, the study took place in Mexico, but as I said, it was mainly American and Canadian. Researchers. So we, they can't do the simplistic thing of, of saying, you know, that xenophobic almost, you could ignore everything that comes from China, ignore everything that comes from India, blah, 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 blah. They can't do that. This was a top notch study and it essentially vindicates what we have been saying, what I've been saying for at least 22 years. The first year I got involved uh, with fluoride was 1996, and that coincided with the first two publications on loss of IQ and fluoride exposure that were published in the Western literature. So I've been following this very closely now for the last 22
1: years. Uh, it's an incredible story. And again, I hope people will check uh, through a site like fluoridealert.org, Fluoride Action Network, to get more of the history of that and the the various studies. Um, There's so much to go through. But regarding this lawsuit in particular, let's just make it clear for people. um, We're not talking about banning the element fluoride, obviously. Um, It's the 13th most abundant element on the planet uh, Earth. So clearly we're not talking about that. We're talking about banning the process of adding this compound that is in uh, uh, incorrectly referred to as fluoride as hydrofluorosilicic acid to the water supply is that correct
0: yeah, yes well of course it's a bit of a red herring red herring here because what we're looking at here is fluoride and whatever we say about hydrofluorosilicic acid it comes from the phosphate fertilized industries so hazardous waste all that is true it just simply makes the calculation worse we're looking at naked fluoride. It, we would be looking at a situation where if the EPA was confronted with somebody that wanted to add pharmaceutical grade to sodium fluoride, this would be reason not to do it. This study that I'm talking about would be reason not to do it. But the fact that you're also adding in a bunch of other crap when you, put, when you fluoridate the water, you're not adding fluoride. You're adding hexafluorosilicic acid. You call it hydrofluorosilic acid. It's got several names. But the formula is easiest to remember, H2, SI, for so silicon, F6, hexafluorosilicic acid. Yeah, that's what we're talking about.
1: All right, so what is the next step in this case, and what are we looking at in terms of a time frame here?
0: Well, it's, it could be as long as two years. It will, obviously, the date for the court, the first thing we have to do is that Michael will have to discuss with an EPA a timetable. They've got to get their experts together. We've got to get our experts together. We have to get depositions. Um, all of this can take many months, maybe, maybe a year. And by the way, one of the delicious things for me is for the first time, we will get to depose their experts. We will have their experts cross-examine under oath the thing that they've avoided for years and years and years. And now we have them in the crosshairs. And guess what? My son, the lawyer, knows probably more about this issue than most people on this planet. So imagine that, having a lawyer who's also an expert in the technical field that we're talking about, examining their witnesses. And quite frankly, they don't have much science. You know, for the last many years since this IQ issue has been... Uppermost in our minds. I have been saying to all promoters of fluoridation whether they're government officials health officials Or research scientists or the dental lobby or the trolls which plague the internet I've been saying well you critique uh, our, the, the evidence that we have produced over 300 studies. Where are your studies? What gives you the confidence to continue to support the addition of a known neurotoxic substance in the drinking water. We've got over 300 studies here. We've got biochemical studies, we have animal studies, we have behavioral studies, <coughs> we have fetal studies, we have human IQ studies, other tests of co- cognitive ability. Where are your studies? What studies have you read that give you the confidence to say, <coughs> we can ignore all that? Ignore all that. And why, why do we have to ignore that? Because they are saying, it's so beneficial to teeth that we can ignore any potential damage to the brain. Wait a moment. Wait a moment. There's something wrong with this picture. They are saying you can ignore the potential risk to to the brain because there is some evidence it might lower tooth decay in children. And don't forget, even if you withdrew fluoride from the drinking water, that doesn't mean the parents can't get fluoride. They can go and get um, fluoride tablets if they want to swallow it, which is silly because even they've admitted it works topically. Or they can um, use fluoridated toothpaste. Uh, we're not removing fluoride from anybody that wants it. We just don't want them to impose it on people that don't want it. The the sheer arrogance of this, James, is, is breathtaking. And um, I, I don't think you need to be uh, to have a PhD to object to the fact that the government is is treating everybody by this treatment by putting a, um, a substance into the drinking water it, when you can't control the dose you can't control who it goes to it goes to everybody including bottle fed babies you know before this issue of exposure prenatal exposure exposure in the womb we had a huge concern. And still do that infants that are bottle fed where the parent uses fluoridated tap water is getting about 200 times more fluoride than nature intended in mother's milk. So there's every reason to believe that mother nature in her wisdom has protected the newborn baby from fluoride exposure by limit, very, very little fluoride in mother's milk. And we remove that protection when we put it in the drinking water. So you can't control the dose, you can't control who it goes to, it goes to the most vulnerable of human beings, both infants and the fetus, and it also violates our right to informed consent to medication, which is a pretty fundamental principle of modern medical ethics.
1: Exactly right. I think this issue helps to expose the fundamental mindset that the government thinks it owns you and your body and can tell you what you can or cannot do with it. This is an example of how that is implemented in law. So it is good to see this being fought in the courtroom. And as you say, these officials actually being deposed under oath. It will be very interesting to watch this court case as it proceeds. So can you tell us uh, where people can go to find the latest news and information about this?
0: Well, it's very simple. If they go to fluoridealert.org, and of course I have to remind everybody how to spell fluoride because about half the population spells F-L-O-U, it should be U-O, so think of flu, F-L-U-O-R-I-D-E, fluoridealert.org, fluoridealert.org. Make sure you get the org right because if you put net or com, you're going to get the American Dental Association who captured all the sites around us, unethical, but What do you expect from these people? Anyway, go to our website. We have revolving mastheads, 10 revolving mastheads. And they will tell you about this latest study, the most important IQ study, government funded study. The other 52 IQ studies are also listed, identified and discussed and then into the lawsuit. So this uh, and there are a few other things as well. But each day we try to keep it moving changing it around but you'll always have information about the lawsuit especially anything that happens the latest information we're fundraising at the moment to pay for the experts we're going to need to to use but you can keep track of the the uh, science
1: and you can keep track of the the politics well it's uh, very exciting and i'm glad to see this happening i'm glad to see this going forward so thank you and your son for the work that you're doing and for all the people who are supporting this work. And I will have the link directly to floridalert.org, the correct website uh, in the show notes for this interview. So, Dr. Connett, thank you so much for your time today.
0: Well, you thank me, but I think this is an appropriate time for me to say thank you, James, for thanking me. But we wouldn't have got this far if it wasn't a huge team effort. We have just fabulous activists. We have some staff, not many. Um, we have great staff. We have a great science uh, director, of, uh, Chris Newrath. I have my wife who works around the clock on this issue every, every day. And then in all the fluoridated countries, we have a great team. We have a great team in Australia, a great team, huge, huge, terrific team in New Zealand, Mary Byrne in Australia, Marilyn Haynes in Ireland, a wonderful scientist there called Declan War, who I think is a genius. Uh, We have fabulous people all throughout Canada, throughout the United States. It really is a team effort. And what we find is that once you get hooked on the injustice of this and the arrogant use of power, I mean, that's what it is. It's the arrogance of power writ large, this fluoridation issue. But we've got them on our turf now. Our turf is the science. And when people look at that science, I believe it will be over.
1: Excellent. Well, we'll direct people there once again. FluorideAlert.org. Dr. Connett, thank you for your time.
0: Thank you, James, very much. The Corbett Report is brought to you by you. Your support makes The Corbett Report possible. Sign up for the subscriber newsletter or purchase a DVD at corbettreport.com support.